0: Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. You can listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 through Pacific. We'll be live in New Orleans, Louisiana next week. You get a chance to hear it, and I think we're also going to do some live All Ball podcasts as well. More details are to come. In the meantime, let me get to uh, my guest today, okay? Uh, at the time of this recording, the first round of the Sweet 16 happened last night. Gonzaga goes down. Arizona goes down. A guy who used to compete against Arizona was at UCLA. Uh, he's coached at uh, essentially every level of Division One college basketball and got to the tournament at every level of Division One college basketball. Mark Gottfried is my guest. Let, let me start. Let me start, Mark. You and I have known each other for a long time. We'll go back. We'll do the whole through your career, your life, and all that stuff pod. I want to do that, and your dad, and all the different trips. It's it's kind of an amazing life, and I know there's more to come. But let, let's start with this. Um, why do you think Gonzaga, who's only been to two Final Fours, but they've had this unbelievable two-plus decades of dominance in their conference, and now seven straight years of Sweet 16, Last night, they go down. Why do you think they haven't won a national championship yet?
1: Well, I think my first thought would be, you know, I think when you play in the WCC compared to playing in the ACC or SEC, you know, you go through about two months, maybe even a little more, where, you know, the competition level is just not, you know, what it's going to be at the ACC or SEC level or the Pac-12 level. You know, you're talking about, you know, rolling into, you know, some of the teams in their league and being able to pretty much dominate them and I'm not sure that prepares them. I know they do a good job in November and December. uh you know, Mark always goes and tries to schedule some really high quality opponents, but you know at some point when you m- meet uh, you know the the guards are bigger, the forwards are bigger, a little bit more athletic, a little stronger, you know one through eight on your roster, probably um, I think it plays a factor, and uh, I don't know the answer for them, but uh you know I just think the teams that go through the wars in the you know, for example, you know, I was in the SEC for 11 years and the ACC for six, um, you know, you're used to seeing guys that are bigger, stronger, faster, a little, little more physical. And uh, as I watched the game last night, I think especially late in the game, it probably, you know, that's my opinion. I think it kind of comes out.
0: No, I, I do too. I think the – and and I think – and maybe here's there, – there's two different parts that people get caught up on, Right. I don't think it means the WCC doesn't have very good teams. St. Mary's a very good team, but there is no way you can replicate the level of athlete that they saw last night. That they saw Memphis in the WCC. You just cannot. No. And then it's, and then it's also the depth of athleticism, the depth of challenge, not just with each team, but like you said, like, look, even in a down year, like this year in the ACC, like a down year, you still got to go beat Virginia and Tony Bennett in Charlottesville, right? And a down, you know, and and all those kids, even if they're not as good or they haven't gelled as well as you'd hope, they were all recruited at the ACC level. Like there's just a, there's and there's an attrition factor to it. But I think more than anything, it's the the game is just faster, stronger, a little bit longer, and the things that you can get away with, you can't get away with as much. So and it, but but here's the part that that I found a little bit alarming. And I, and, and I don't know where you are with, with Mark as a coach. I think he's a gem of a coach. I think he's a gem of a guy. But there's a little bit of denial there. After the game, he said, you know, we just didn't, you know, basically we just didn't make shots we normally make. Like, if that's what you saw when you watched the game, and he may just be saying that, you know, so it doesn't put blame on the kids. But I, I watched it and thought they got pushed around. Yeah. You know, that it, it, not as much as they got pushed around by Baylor, but Baylor just completely intimidated him, took him out of everything they wanted to do. Yeah. And the last two games, they got pushed around a little bit. And I yeah. I don't know. I When I hear – so you've been a head coach. You've been at those press conferences. How honest do you think Mark was in his assessment that we just need to make shots?
1: Well, I think every coach, to be honest, and you know the drill, I mean, you're not going to go in there and just completely expose every thought you have, you know, for fear of all the different things, you know, you got players, recruits, everybody's watching your fan base. And so you're always a little bit guarded. So I think when you, you, you get in a press conference, especially after a game, you got to take that one as a little bit of a, you know, okay, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot going through your mind when you sit up there and, and you're trying to say the right thing. So you're not ever going to be probably a completely, you know, transparent in that regard. Um, you know, I go back, Doug, I, I remember, I think it was 2012. I'm at NC State. Uh, we played San Diego State in the first round. Uh, we're the 11th seed. I think they're the sixth seed. And, you know, our players are, are looking down to the other end during warm-ups at that group saying, Come on, like really? And I'm not disrespecting anything San Diego State, because they've just been phenomenal. But, you know, the guy that in the in the, the media guide says I'm six eight is really six five and a half. And the, the two guard who says he's six six is six three. And I remember our players at NC State looking down there saying, Come on, like really? And you know, we end up beating them and you know, we went to the sweet sixteen that year. But so I think with Mark, now he has signed back to back now. You're talking about, you know, back to back high school player of the year two straight years. Uh, So from a talent perspective, he's getting some pretty good players. And, you know, the kid Suggs last year was amazing. But I just think at the end of the day, one through eight, uh, it's hard to get the same level athlete that, uh, you know, some of the other teams are getting. So, you know, I I would temper what he says maybe after the game. At the same time, I just think there's a little bit, that's just a little different level. It is what it is. And there's also a um,
0: – uh, there's also the aspect of of the SEC and what Muss is doing at Arkansas is what you did at Alabama, right, where um, I kind of awoke a little bit of a sleeping giant. And, you know, uh, even if it's seen as a football school, they still love some good basketball. You, oh, yeah. You were at your – when, what what do you see? How has Musk been able to do this in short order? I mean, obviously, well, everybody does. The, the transfer portal yeah. is an easy answer, but everybody's doing the transfer portal. What are you seeing that he's been able to do?
1: Well, one, number one, I think he's really good. You know, he proved it at Nevada. You know, and you got to remember, a lot of people forget. You know, He was the head coach in the NBA a couple of years, too. So, you know, what happens when you're in the NBA, you get exposed to so much, so many situations, four quarters in every game, out of bounds, late you know, clock situation. I mean, there's so many things that uh, I think has helped him really. He's really good, uh, I think, as a basketball coach. What I think he's also done really well, Doug, I think he's, you know, here's what happened with this whole transfer portal thing is some coaches are diving into it and some aren't. And you look at his backcourt, he's got some guys from some other places uh, who are probably a little older. I don't know exactly their years, but, you know, a little bit more mature. And he's done a great job with that. And it, it, we're in an era where you almost have to change a little bit as a coach and adapt to the fact that you're going to have young kids. And if the other guy's got juniors and seniors and they're 22, 23, 24 years old and they're pretty good players, you know, I think, you know, you end up with an advantage. I think uh, Eric's done a really good job with that. I think he's kind of had a good blend of still getting a really good high school player. But at the same time, he's added in the older player. And then I just think he just does a really good job. And, uh, you know, so he, he's, he's got him ready. I think this is two straight Elite Eights. And, yep. uh, you know, you may break through here and get in the Final Four. And I think a lot of times it's just kind of that, you know, breaking through one more game. And once you do it, then, you know, your program feel. but I'm going to tell you now, Arkansas, you talk about a basketball fan base. Now, they love football. But what they, they did there, you, you walk into that place now uh, – it's a it's a basketball. Arkansas and Kentucky, yep. In my opinion, are different than the rest of the jobs in that league. You, you've got a fan base that's a probably more passionate than anybody else in that league. So, uh, you know, they're fired up today and, and getting ready to you know have a chance to be in a final four again.
0: Yeah, you probably don't know this. I I kind of convinced Dana Altman to take that job that he had for like ten days or however long he had it because <laughs> the the exact same thing we were talking. At the time, and I had I don't know if I tweeted about it or I I talked about it on radio or on TV about how good a job it is because of like you said like in the SEC like they legitimately care there whereas they don't care they just kind of throw money at it and you know expect you to you know get it going and and have people show up when football's over at some other schools but um, it just he just wasn't a wasn't a good fit obviously for for that place and that environment he walked into but it is it's a place where they legitimately care and, uh, and, and, and are passionate about it. All right, tonight. So we're going to try and drop this before the UCLA game. Um, first I want to go back to 95, a 95 second round. Um, Was there a timeout before Tyus went length to the court in Boise?
1: Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. We had a timeout, and uh, the kid uh, Winfield had just made the shot for Missouri. And, you know, a lot of people, what they don't realize on that, Doug, is that, you know, we had been a couple years before and played when the Fab Five were freshmen. And it was almost an identical play where Tyus stole the ball. And, you know, we're driving in Tucson there. We're playing a game at uh, the McHale Center, and we got a chance to beat them you know, at the wire and at the last second he passed it to Ed. And I think it was either Jimmy King or uh, Ray Jackson stole the ball and we went to overtime and lost. So now here we are two years later and uh, it's kind of same situation. We did a drill every day in practice, a six second drill where you got to go length of the floor. And, you know, Tyus is Tyus and he's just so fast and good and everything. So... um you know, we had a timeout and uh we broke the huddle. And I remember Jim Herrick grabbing Tyus by the elbow and just told him, Tyus, shoot the ball. No matter what, I want <laughs> to shoot it. Just shoot it. Don't pass it, shoot it. And you know, what it did, it kind of gave Tyus the confidence. It kind of took the you know the decision out of his mind to say, hey, look, if I if I'm if I'm heading of the basket, I'm shooting the ball. And you know, obviously he just made a phenomenal play. And next thing you know, we're we're off to the races and you know, sometimes in the tournament, it's almost a game like that, Doug, that kind of propels you. All of a sudden, mentally, you're like, OK, we got through that one. And now this is on now. Like, like you know, we're going to win this thing now. You know, the, the momentum is in our favor. The wind's at your back. You know, all those type things. And that play did it for that team, in my opinion. Now, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, though, didn't you? Didn't he commit before, like, right right when you walked into his house on the visit? (laughs) That was the year, Doug. I don't know that your true basketball fan might remember these names, but obviously Kevin Ali, who did a great, you know, at UConn and had a great career. It's a little guard named K.J. Roberts out of uh, Seattle. And those were the three point guards that we really kind of, you know, zoomed in on a little bit. And we were going to get one of the three. And, you know, Kevin, uh, you know, was probably the highest rated guy, Kevin Ali. And uh, Tyus knew what he wanted to do. He knew where he wanted to go. And quite honestly, he took everybody by surprise. He was just ready. You don't, you don't need to pull all that stuff out. You don't need to give me your song and dance. You don't need to, you know, sell me. I'm coming. And uh, I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, the great legendary coach, Ron Palmer at Long Beach, uh, Polly, I remember him telling us, you guys got no idea uh, how good a guard you just got. And uh, he was probably right, to be quite honest. And uh, you know, Tyus is one of those guys. You put him in a game, you can't take him out. They gotta leave him in every time we put him in. You know, even as a freshman, good things just, happen. Yeah, good things happen. Yeah, I'm not taking that guy out of the game. We're gonna leave him in, and uh, he just <laughs> uh, he was just terrific.
0: You know, it was. But but what I what I recall though was that Coach Herrick hadn't seen him play. Mm-hmm. And he went to the CIF finals and Tyus didn't play great. And he walked out of the gym thinking, oh, hell, we got to go get another point guard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember Jim had a friend of his, just a friend from Pepperdine, his Pepperdine days that went with him to a game after Tyus had signed. And, uh, you know, was the fall, he was a fall signee, so, you know, during his senior year. So on the ride down, Jim told his buddy, said, I'm not going to tell you who we signed, but you tell me who, you know, what you think? Well, they watched the whole game and his friend said, I hope he didn't sign anybody in that game. <laughs> you know, Tyus was kind of a non-factor and uh, even when he came to a campus in the fall, you know, all the NBA players play in the, the men's gym and, you know, they're playing pickup games and, you know, you really didn't hear a lot about, you know, you know, guys come back and talk every day who played good, you know, this, that and the other. And, and all of a sudden, boy, the season started and, it was game on. And, uh, you know, plus he's got such great character and I my mean, just the whole package. So sometimes you you luck into some a little bit in coaching. OK, so now let's fast
0: forward to that that year, 95. Okay, So you guys, the year before you'd been beaten by Tulsa. Remember, that was the when Ed was asked if he knew where Tulsa was and he did not. Right. And you played him in Oklahoma City. That was a, <laughs> <laughs> a great job. I, mean, I, was a, I, just, I, remember, I remember, you know, you know, i you know me, I was the biggest Bruin fan I was. I remember being it was like an, at lunchtime or maybe snack or whatever. And most Thursdays uh, of the tournament I would get out of school. that year I didn't get out of school it's Thursday. My dad picked me out Friday. And I remember I said uh, I, I popped into my coach's office. What's the UCLA score? He's like, they're down. How many? Forty. I was like, "What?" <laughs> but but that team wouldn't exist today because you had so many guys, right? You had basically five pros as freshmen, like the 95 team was so stacked. Basically, everybody was a pro and an NBA player on, on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, so you survive the second round, right? That was the Missouri was the second round. You get ready for the sweet 16. Is there a. Was there a feeling of destiny or was it like what? What is that feeling actually like? Because what happens in the media is we'll have people say, well, you have to survive one of those games in order to mm-hmm. win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes surviving one of those games, kind of like Gonzaga survived Memphis, it actually exposes your flaw yeah. and ultimately that becomes. So what was it when you, when you, when you're getting ready for the Sweet 16 and 95, what,
1: what was that feeling like? Well, you know, we played Mississippi State. They had Eric Dampier. They're a really good team. We played them up in Oakland. And I do feel like our team kind of felt like uh, not not necessarily your team of destiny, but you feel like the way we won that game, you know, it just gave us such a lift, a hu- huge lift, confidence lift, you know, that you survived that one. So I think in our favor, it was big. Let me go back, though, Doug. I think you'll people find this one interesting. In 94, you know, we go to Oklahoma City, like you mentioned. We're playing against Tulsa. And you know Ed has made the comment, which we all were like, "Oh boy, that that one isn't going to go well in Oklahoma City." And and uh, Tubby Smith had a really good team, Shea Seals, and a bunch of really good players. But you know, I just remember we had the best practice of the year the day before the game. Best practice, shoes were squeaking. I mean, it was moving. Couldn't miss a shot in practice. Every drill. I mean, you're thinking. And then the next day, you know, we we throw the ball up for the jump ball, start the game. And by the time I sat down with my clipboard there on the bench, I think we're down 18 to two. I mean, it was like, what in the world happened? And, uh, and then, you know, after that game, quite honestly, we, we all felt like uh, we were getting fired, you know, Steve Lavin, myself, Lorenzo Romar, the assistants, Jim, we all had meetings on Monday morning scheduled with Pete Dallas. You know, he called us and said, you guys got to come in. And so for the whole weekend, you know, I had just bought a house first time I was young, you know, I'm nervous i'm getting fired we're all getting fired you know uh on monday morning and uh so the next thing you know you know we all kind of go in one by one and you know we kind of make it through that day and then for about two weeks we still thought we were probably going to get fired you know jim's getting fired or we're getting fired but somebody's getting fired after that game and then the next year uh you know here we go and we end up 31 and 2 you know ed is the national player of the year and, uh, you know, we played Mississippi State and, and beat them pretty soundly. Then we got to play UConn, who was loaded. I mean, loaded. loaded, loaded. And uh, and they wanted to run, and they had kind of made some comments, a couple of their guys did, like, nobody can run with us. And, uh, you know, I think we put 102 or 104 on them that game. Uh, but they were really talented. And uh, – but, you know, Tyus was so good, just so good. And Ed was so good. And Toby – and Jr. I mean, I can go through all of them, but uh, Charles. But, you know, we became a team that just started to believe we're going to win this thing. We're going to win it. We're going to win the national championship. And uh, here's another thing, Doug, I think what happens. The UCLA's and the Kentucky's and Duke right now, and you, you could see last night at the end of the game in the Duke game, because those kids have Duke on the front of their jersey, from the day they sign, there's an expectation in their mind that they are going to win a national championship. That's why I went there. That's why I go to Duke. That's why I went to UCLA. That's why I go, you know, to Kentucky. And sometimes I think programs like that, your players, there's a little bit different edge. Not just happy to be here. There's an expectation that we're going to win it, or we should win it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch
0: all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, let's have this discussion because there's 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 a couple different parts to it. I agree. I, I think it's I think it's a little bit like this. Like uh, Roach and Caro took over again, two two games in a row. Roach and Buc um, and and Paulo took over, mm-hmm. and I think of those guys as it's not just the expectation of Duke, but those main court games, right? From EYBL to the time they were eighth, ninth, like they were always they're not aux, aux guy Ox gym guys. Now, look, it's hard to play against those aux gym guys because they've been told they're not main court guys their whole life. And that's a little bit of what I think, you know, those Arkansas guys did to Gonzaga, right? They 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 heard about Chet and all these Gonzaga dudes and 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 there's that. so I think that start of the game. I think start of the game. A lot of times, those the the teams that are a little underrated or the players that were overlooked, whatever. That's where th- their energy and their passion and all that, and just the toughness that's built in because they've been told no. But you get to big moments, and mm-hmm. I mean, Roach and Van Carroll like that's nothing new to them. Give me the ball, I know what to do. So mm-hmm. I I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, what about what about managing? all of that and building all of that at that level, right? Where, yes, every yes, those guys came there with that expectation, but as you know from UCLA and from Alabama and from NC State, all those guys came with the expectation of taking the big shot. How do you do the role mm-hmm. management even even when you get this late in the season?
1: Well, that's where, you know, obviously as a coach, you, you've got to be really good in that regard because all of them, not just them, the players, their parents, their AU coach, <laughs> they're all, they're all expecting their guy to be the guy and they're not going to all be the guy. It just, you know, it's just not how it works. And, you know, I think coaches that have been there for so long and done it with so many great players, you know, you got to remember too, like with coach K uh, and, you know, obviously he's one and and most of the world, you know, we don't really know what's inside his practices and what he say in the locker room or team meetings. And, you know, the bluntness and how he's gonna organize, who's gonna do what at what point and who's got the freedom to do a little bit more and who doesn't have the freedom. And sometimes we don't know all those things. You gotta remember with him now, you know, he's had to manage LeBron, Kobe, you know, through the Olympics and and that that group too now. So, you know, he's not afraid to tell somebody, you ain't shooting the ball. You're just not shooting, yeah. period and uh you know where some coaches may not you know have that type of stature with those teams but Doug I think you make a great point and a lot of people may not really understand you know that main court when you play in the AAU scene and you're always on the main court you're always you know where there's other games going over there and yeah there's always a Damian Lillard that probably didn't even play in the main gym hell he was probably in another gym in another you know part of town uh you know ends up at Weber State but you get enough guys that have been in that situation, and in their mind, that's just a, it's a little different. For example, I thought the guys that came and played for us at UCLA, they know, they know, they feel the expectation level every day. That if you don't, if you don't meet this expectation level, you're really kind of a failure. It's really unfair. But I've told I told Ben Howland, I, I told every coach that went through there. At uh, UCLA and not that I have all the answers, but you're going to play about 30 games before the tournament. They're all exhibition games. They, they don't count, really. The only thing that really counts is the tournament. Well, the players know that they feel it. You know, you had great teams at Oklahoma State, but, but that wasn't ingrained in you guys that, you know, there's this expectation that you have to be all the way here to that level. And so sometimes I think that does help you know, it doesn't always work that way, but at times I think it does. And uh, I saw – I thought late in the game last night with Duke, it was clear. guys
0: the The example for you guys, even 25 years ago, is Toby, right? So mm-hmm. so Toby stars in the national championship game. And part of it was, I think, the way in which Arkansas played, played right into your hands, right? Like, oh, you're going you're gonna to run and trap us? Like, Okay. Okay. Um, but, but you know, I grew up, as you know, competing against Toby Bailey. He played on Victoria Park Slam and Jam, right? There were three big clubs, and if they weren't in the finals for every tournament or league or whatever, something was wrong, right? Because it was him and Ricky mm-hmm. Price, and something was mm-hmm. wrong. The idea is every Sunday of every tournament he ever worked, and so he was a freshman, it wasn't that big a stretch for him to perform that well under that brightest spotlight.
1: I think you're very much right. Doesn't always guarantee though that you know those guys make every shot. But I do think there's a mindset or an expectation that's a little bit different. In other words, yeah. think of it this way. When Kentucky loses, and you know, they got beat by a, you know, that's a tough one when you're in a 215 game, you know, 15 seat two game. But regardless, those players, you know, they feel from their fan base every day, every day. You know, Alabama football would be the same way right now. If you're not in the college playoff, that's disappointing. It's just disappointing year at Alabama football. And so players feel it, coaches feel it, fans expect it. And I think what that does, it, it causes the players at times and coaches and everybody, it causes to rise you up to another level. You've got to be there. Not that other people don't want to, but you had good teams at Oklahoma State and Notre Dame and but it, I don't know that the same, you know, my teams at Alabama, we never felt that. Like we never felt yeah. that if we don't get to the final four, it's a disappointing year. Never felt that. And uh, so it's just different at every school, but I do think, I think you've hit it on a nail nail on the head when you talk about how they've grown up and played on that center court. Uh, that's a different deal.
0: Um, Kentucky. Um, it's a, it's a different landscape now, right? So instead of just recruiting against Duke and Carolina, And maybe the Memphises and then the the one-off schools that hire somebody or whatever, now they're competing against the G League Ignite, you know, maybe overseas overseas somewhere else. And then you have the transfer portal, so you're not – it's not – you're playing – if you play high school kids, they're 19 as freshmen, maybe 20 as freshmen if they're holdbacks, but you're competing against 23, 24-year-old kids. Can can Cal get back – to where he had been in terms of the, the consistency of success in the landscape of 2022
1: and beyond. Here, here's what I, here's my feeling on that one, uh, Doug. And again, I'm, I'm uh, you know, never going to question those guys. You know, they've been so good for so long, but I think you got to keep adjusting. For example, I, I had Dennis Smith, uh, Lorenzo had Markel Folks. Both of us struggled, you know, with guys like that. Not their fault, but if you have five Dennis Smith at one time, you're, you're probably okay. Cause your talent level is so high. I think Duke did that at times, you know, in the last 10 years ago or so, you know, and Marvin Bagley and the little point guard, I can't remember his name. And you know, some of those guys, but if you have one or two, they're just too young and they can't carry it yet. But if you have a collection of them, you can't the same time, the transfer portal, the fifth year graduate transfer, both that are eligible immediately. I think it's changed the game, even for the high-major Kentucky-type school. And I, we talked about it with uh, Eric at uh, Arkansas. Um, your freshmen, who, even though they're really talented, they're still freshmen. And, you know, I think there's a blend nowadays. you you got to kind of adjust and maybe look at the fact that I, I need a 17-point scorer from the WCC or from the MAC or from the Sun Belt who's really good, who's 23. And he transfers up. Uh, that guy, I think, in today's game is real valuable, very valuable. Maturity level, older, because here's the deal. We all know it. If you got a great freshman and you're in a Power Five conference and your guy averages 17, 18 points a game, he's gone. He's gone. Don, Don McLean is the leading scorer in the history of UCLA and the Pac-12, which, by the way, his records will never be broken, ever you can put that one in your pipe and smoke it. They'll never be broken because Don McLean averages 18 a game as a freshman, but yeah. stays four years, four years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that guy doesn't stay four years anymore. He's gone. You know, there's yeah, that guy's got no chance to stay four years. So I think there's a blend now you got to figure out, I got to get some older. I got to get older somehow. How do I get older is the key. I think sometimes in, in today's game,
0: um, Okay, Murray State. Why, why have so many coaches had such success there? Steve, Steve Proms going back there, he had success there before going to Iowa State. But mm-hmm. you were there. I mean, like you, Mick was there. Like it's just, it it seems like every guy who goes there wins. Now they're changing leagues and
1: stepping up in league. Why is Murray State such a wellspring for coaches? I think they're in the right conference for them. You know, I think so many times people leave conferences. Uh, Wichita left the Missouri Valley, and it's probably – the game has changed on them. Now, Murray State is actually leaving as well this year. They're going to the Missouri Valley, which is a whole different deal than it was playing in the OVC. So, number one, I think Murray State was by and far the best job in their league. In other words, they got the best fan base. They've got the best facility. They have more money than the other teams. Uh, when I coached there, it was back in, uh, you know, 95 to 98. You know, you had a recruiting budget, but at that level, you know, if we if we ran out of money in the month of July and we still needed to buy airline tickets for my coaches to go watch it, they'll find the money. They're going to find the money. All right, here's another 10 grand. You guys go finish out the month of July and go recruit, and buy airline tickets and stay in hotels where a lot of teams in that league, they just don't. They don't have. They don't have that. They don't have that kind of commitment. So it's the best job. And then I think Murray has done a great job over the years, Doug. They've, they have stayed with their formula. In other words, now, you know, it's maybe a little bit different right now, but they're not afraid to hire that young coach that's been at a high-profile school and bring him in there knowing they're probably going to lose him. They're going to lose him in a few years, but that's okay. And then we'll get another one. I think a lot of times people, they change their they, – they don't know who they are. And all of a sudden I'm gonna I'm gonna recreate who we really are as a program. And Murray has never done that. They've kind of stayed the course. They know they're probably gonna lose a Matt McMahon to LSU or somewhere, especially the job he did, which I thought was terrific. Uh, you know, Mick did a great job, Billy Kennedy did a great job there, Scott Egger before me did a great job. They all did. But uh, it's just a good basketball job. I'm a little worried for him though, going in the Missouri Valley. Different animal, completely different yes. animal than you know than having to play in the OVC so we'll see how that plays out I think
0: they're they're, they're more invested the, the interesting part is I I do think you know in terms of of their um of their financial investment I think Missouri Valley is more invested right in terms of in terms of winning on the other hand I'm not sure there's a level it's it's more Midwestern right it's a little bit more plotting players than in the OVC where, where I feel like it was a lot of speed and quickness and smaller teams um,
1: uh, let, I let me agree. ask you. I agree. Let, let,
0: so so St. Peter's tonight takes on takes on Purdue. So you you've been on both sides of this deal, right? Where you have these gigantic mm-hmm. big dudes and you've had the undersized team. Um uh, g- give me give me your sense of what, what you would do. If you're 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 Shaheen Holloway, they got two dudes over six seven on their entire roster. Zach Eady blocks out the sun. But it is college <laughs> basketball, like so what, what, do you, what do you do if you're – what do you do if you're, uh, if you're Shaheen?
1: Well, I think – here's the thing, too, with that team right now. They – you can you listen to his comments, and they've taken such a they, – they have so much pride in how tough they are. And now, that's, imp, that's important. But, like you said, there, there does come a day when the ball's in the air and i got to get a rebound. And that guy's seven foot and I'm six, six. And I'm going to have he's a hard time seven, getting three, seven,
0: three, <laughs> seven, four. And it's not, it's not one of those. Like, it's not like you said with the mid, like he still just said six, eight, he's really six, five. No, no. He's really that big. He's really that big.
1: And so at some point in time, you know, not, not that they can't win. I mean, they—they've proven it right now, they've done it, but I think they'll have their hands full now. They're, they're going, they're, and I think Matt's done a great job too. And I think they're pretty. Ment- they all are. All the teams at this point left. They're, you know, they're mentally pretty strong and pretty tough. Now I think at, at St. Pete's, They've done such. A, he's such such a great job of instilling that hunger and. Their guard plays terrific. But think about this. Last night in the Duke game, and and there, there was a point, I think it was about a minute and a half, two minutes ago in the game. And Texas Tech, you know, they remind me a little bit of Houston. They're all, they look all the same size. Yes. All yes. Just, they can switch yes. everything. I yes. don't know who the point guard, the two, the three, the four. We're all we're all just kind of, but you know, at some point in the game there, the ball came off the rim. And that that big dude for uh, Duke, he just goes up two hands and Mark I'm getting a rebound. I'm getting the re. You, you guys can't get this rebound at this point in the game, or I'm blocking your shot, and the guy takes it to the middle and a little kind of baby hook there, and I'm just bigger. I'm, I'm bigger and longer, and and at some point in time, that kind of wins out. Doesn't always, but kind of does. So I think St. Pete's gonna have their hands full with that big boy in the middle, and and uh, but you know nobody gave him a chance till now, so. Uh, you know, but I'd hold my breath to make too strong a prediction. So we'll see.
0: Last, last, last thing, um, and there's an expectation that he's going to get the Seton Hall job, right, which is which is going back home. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. Mm-hmm. If, if you were to give a guy who's going to his alma mater advice, what would
1: it be? I would say, Doug, it's a great question, number one. I would give you the advice that John Wooden gave me, the legendary coach. I sat in his living room in Encino and talked about, uh, you know, I'm going to go to Murray State, but hopefully one day, you know, I can end up back in my alma mater. And I asked him, I said, Coach, why didn't you ever go back to Purdue? And he said, Mark, don't ever underestimate how big the expectations end up being the fan base has for you, but also the expectations you put on yourself. Because it becomes your, you have a passion for that school that it's not just a job it's different and that can be good. Like for me, I was at Alabama 11 years and we had a great run, but you know, I never left. I turned down every job that was offered to me, every single one, you know, because I'm at my alma mater, I'm at Alabama. Uh, You know, I remember they, they named the road, they named the road leading up to in Knoxville, up to the football stadium, Philip Fulmer way. And they fired him the next, next year, He fired a guy. (laughs) And, And so when it's your alma mater, you get a little bit cloudy, with that, you know, in other words, if, if, uh, he goes somewhere else and he does a great job and a job, you know, it's a job, not that you don't care, but when it's your alma mater, I just think you got to be a little careful. It can be great. It can be wonderful. But, um, you know, I remember Philip Fulmer said it's bricks and the bricks will never love you back. You can love the bricks on the building, but, but the bricks on the building will never love you back. And I think he was right. So I think that would be my only piece of advice is it's a great opportunity, but, you know, be careful because it's a little different. Mark, you're the best. Uh, we're doing
0: this again. Let's let's do it um, uh, after we get, we, we figure out who's going to uh, maybe Elite Eight or Final Four. And I want to get into all the different, you have so many different great stories and angles. But in the meantime, I really appreciate you. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: You got it, brother. Anytime.
0: Well, I'm sure glad you enjoyed that. I did as well. We'll get you ready for the next games. We'll drop a pod probably tomorrow on tonight's games as well. UCLA and Carolina at St. Peter's and Purdue and all of it. All of it. All of it. Um, I do think Miami wins. I think uh, I like like province to cover. I think that's gonna be a close game. I just I mean, self is amazing. But um, think about what. Providence or uh, Kansas can do like they might get a they'll get a double digit seed to go to the final four that's pretty remarkable and then we look at Villanova and could I make the case that's the best program in America think about the consistency of success winning your league two national championships and they're one game away from another final four crazy crazy stuff all right we'll get to all that in the next pod in the meantime my thanks to Mark Godfrey my thanks for you for listening I'm Doug Gottlieb this is all ball (laughs)